0: I am a triple threat. All three points of a Bermuda triangle.
1: Vote me off the island all you want. I don't even like the beach.
0: <laughs> Wait, the beach is the worst.
1: It d- yeah, it depends, but I'm not like a beach person.
0: I remember as a child being like this doesn't feel safe because the sand would get so hot. No, I'm the sand would get so hot. It was like very upsetting because when I have to try to like hop like little bunny foo-foo to use the, you know, the, the loo or get myself a snack. It was just the, the sand was unconscionably hot. I don't know mm. if that's Rhode Island sand and we just have killer sand or if that's all beach sand everywhere. It was excruciating. I almost got a burn.
1: Like Rhode Island is actually the equator. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kind of is. Oh my god! And those beaches, I don't even know if they're that good. I don't know that I would want to go. I don't.
1: Know. I would guess they're not that. I don't I mean, think no like no,
0: we're the ocean state.
1: Yeah, but I don't think New England beaches are really like the the nice beaches.
0: Wow! Shots fired. I'm
1: from Missouri. Cancel they're,
0: culture. <laughs> cancel culture. Uh, oh my god, you guys! It's Andy's Scross. <laughs> Leave me alone. It's episode, we're nearing 500, which P.S., you need to give me an idea for 500. I have not done a thing. Okay. (laughs) Can we think of something quick that's like special? I was thinking about it yesterday and then I just forgot, which is kind of, it's it's the biggest number we've hit so far.
1: Maybe you should like fly to Texas and do a sit down with Jen Shaw.
0: Oh, is she in? Is that where Fort Brian or whatever? Mm-hmm.
1: Fort, she, yeah, it's in. Is she, it
0: a fort? No, prison.
1: Um, federal. It's FPC Brian, which FPC. is federal prison camp.
0: Well, mm-hmm. has anybody tried to sit down with Theranos? If I could do a two for one, if I could Bogo. Two, oh, mm. Also, who's going to pick up the Sweep the bill for that flight in the hotel? Maybe I could stay with them. Do they have like an extra cot?
1: Well, last I heard, I think Marillo is running Jen's social media, <laughs> so maybe uh, send the invoice to him.
0: No, I think it's Coach Shaw who's running her social. I forget. TBT. I honestly forget the names of her assistants and who hates her versus is still like yes, Jen. So, Queen.
1: Koa was in the group chat with Tanisha Koa and Monica. Was the
0: former or not the well, designer? Not, yeah, her former designer, right?
1: And then okay. I think she and Marillo are still good. I think Marillo is like her, her homie.
0: I mean, make new friends and keep the old. Some are silver and some are gold, and some are literally in federal prison for bankrupting grandpas.
1: And did we ever close the loop on Stewart? Like, w-
0: no. So he. um His, like, sentencing or whatever kept getting delayed. Right. And I think a part of that as a lawyer, as you know, I am a licensed attorney for the people, the people's people's couch, um, that it kept getting delayed. And a part of that was because he was, like, so helpful. Because, you know, when you have a good assistant, they're just always there when you need them. So he was really doing a solid for the federal government. So I think that they were going to kind of, you know... Him up, but I don't think he ever got sentenced. I could be wrong. If someone wants, if you want for more information, you know, DM Emily D. Baker, the Bravo Docket. This is not where you come for stats. Yeah, on it's like stuff. every
1: like Jen went to prison, and then everybody was just like, "Well, I guess, I guess all the loose ends have been tied <laughs> up." And Stewart's just like, "You guys, mom." Oh my god, that was it's like his mom forgot to pick him up at school
0: for real. I that was literally Lady attending Justice. her sentencing was like among. Cause I remember I thought there was going to be like a crazy crazy line. Cause I think a lot of us thought this was a bigger news deal than it was. Mm. And I remember I was like walking toward, trying to figure out which courthouse door it was, whatever. And I heard a group of people laughing, and I was like, "These are the Bravo holics." <laughs> I walked giggling. over, and there were like five people, and I was like, "Are you here for?" Yeah, and they said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I
1: think if if there had been a real trial, oh yeah, if it was like Ms. Shaw takes the stand, yeah. I think it, there would have been a line out the door.
0: A hundred percent. Well, there ended up being an overflow room. So mm. I was in the actual courtroom, which is very small. And then right. there was an overflow room. But I was like, you know, when it was that awkwardness of like sit, sitting outside the courtroom before things started and like Coach Shaw comes in and then a reporter's like, Who's that? And I'm like, it's people who are journalists who don't know who anyone right. is. Right. It's
1: somebody from like KT, whatever the, right. the fuck news. I mean,
0: yeah. Nash, I think it was like NBC National. And yes, they that. were just asking me for confirmation over and over again of who the players were that they could go up and ask for a comment and be denied. And I was like, yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure that's Jen? I was like, yeah, that's that's Coach Shaw. I know I have Peacock. OK, mm. I, I am an expert in this. Truly.
1: They're like, seeming. this was seemingly Jen Shaw. And it's like, no, that's Jen Shaw. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> allegedly it's genshaw. i mean truly allegedly Genshaw, anyway listen it's episode four whatever we're in the 90s so excited to be joined by my Bravo holic bestie you know him as the director of social for entertainment at betches media the host of mention it all and creator of bravo by betches welcome back to the cloffice your home away from home and possibly home Dylan, hey first sweet baby deal. how are we?
1: I'm really good. It's January something, and we're, <laughs> we're just the new it. year is off to a, a crackling start. Is it? Do we feel good about it? I mean, if, if there's a lot of Bravo stuff to talk about. So <laughs> much. I feel like a little ill. I feel
0: That might have been the candy.
1: Okay. I feel okay. I did I saw a play last night. There was a lot of coughing. And I'm just like, can we in not? the audience? Yeah. And it was a very like quiet play at times and they're just like arr,
0: arr, and, and you like, want at the night time usually the matinees are when the hacks
1: come out well this it's i mean it's a three-hour play about you're gonna need a cough and, no i mean it's just, it's just a lot of old people it's yes yeah. not like a
0: well also i think in three hours a person's gonna probably develop a cough right don't you think i don't know
1: i wasn't coughing would you rather i didn't make a peep sarah Were people coughing It shocked?
0: We both went to shows last night very similar in theme and energy. And (laughs) there was a gentleman in the second... Two problems. Number one, there was a gentleman in the second act who just really was crinkling his little bag of pretzels. Oh, my God. The entire Mm -hmm. second act. And then he was sharing them with someone next to him. But this man... I mean, the dedication, honestly, it was almost like an Olympic pursuit, his ability to eat the entire bag at such a slow pace, but then just rustle in it. It's like he thought he was maybe one of the musicians. Right. It was fascinating, his kind of musical prowess and ownership of the space, also known as the middle of the center mez. I mean, it was an awful lot. So I went to shocked a musical comedy about corn
1: closing next week,
0: closing in, I think 12 performances. So yeah, that's probably like tomorrow. Um, What did you see?
1: I saw prayer for the French Republic, another
0: um, sparkling romantic comedy. Yeah, it's
1: a Manhattan theater club. It was off Broadway. Oh, like it was okay, off that, Broadway yeah, last season. And then this is like a, a transfer. Okay. Um Yeah. It's, it's a play about a French, Jewish family it takes there's like two timelines there's like a 1940s
0: oh spoiler alert
1: group and then a 19 no not a a 2010s oh great group and like you know it's not like a there's a lot of different like themes and layers Mm -hmm. that come into play it it wasn't I was worried that it would really be like a total downer for three hours and it was not that Mm -hmm. like I I laughed. I cried. I hmm.
0: did you cry? I did cry. Hmm. I mean,
1: it's, it, Jews in Paris in the 1940s, like it wasn't all sunny. And in 2016, <laughs> that wasn't all sunny either. You're
0: <laughs> in now. I mean, 2024.
1: And boy, did it feel relevant.
0: <laughs> and I watched a show about corn, which
1: we love Jesus, <laughs> but we drink a little. <laughs>
0: That's one of the songs, yeah. and it was delightful. I was um, a little saddened that Alex Newell, who is mm. uh, the the one of m- several reasons, but really the top three of why I was um, going to see it and making sure to see it before it closed, was unfortunately out that performance, but their understudy was great. Um, and it's a show about corn, and I've wanted to see it for forever. I'm so glad I saw it before it ended. Go to theater. Support to, Broadway. See the theater. <laughs> is there anything that you're looking forward to seeing?
1: There's so we're I feel like we're in sort of a lull right now and then everything usually closes. There's so much stuff opening like yeah. March, April. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I'm like most excited for this season there's a sh- it's called Lempicka and it's about this female European painter f- who's like a real person but like kind of not remembered very much from like the t- mid like early mid 20th century and it's like supposed to be really good. I don't really know much of anything about it yet, but that's like the thing that seems like it might be like the best kind of new thing this season.
0: I am excited to go to Merrily We Roll Along.
1: Oh, it's so good. I want to go again.
0: So when did you see it? You saw it recently.
1: I saw it right after Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, it's 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 really good.
0: Daniel Radcliffe, Lovely.
1: yeah. Jonathan Groff, mm-hmm. Lindsay Mendez. I didn't see Lindsay Mendez. <gasps>
0: no, see, this is what I'm freaking tough out times. about. It's tough. It's... I'm gonna be really upset. And you know, we her understudy was amazing. Of course, yeah, they always are. And it's like the next big star. We support. We're allies to understudies. I just really want to see the the core three. Really... I
1: know. I know. I might. I might try and go back because they extended it through the summer. So I feel like it's a little less. Um, it's a little less like extra to go twice now because mm-hmm. I can spread it out over like six months.
0: I'm concerned because the Tobes got tickets for a Wednesday matinee. And sometimes that's the show. Sometimes that's the show. Or Thursday night's the show. But you know,
1: if everybody's healthy...
0: If everybody's healthy, knock on table.
1: Knock on, knock on table. Well,
0: Harry Potter, who I remember having He some, was really
1: good. He's really, really good. And
0: I've heard wonderful things about him, and I've had interactions uh, with his dad previously about a show I was producing mm. and was lovely. I've heard nothing but great things. I don't know anything about the Harry Potter industry. What else have I seen him on extras? I've seen him do stuff. hes He just yeah. seems like a delight. I mean, and Jonathan Groff, obviously. And Lindsay Mendez. I mean, my God. It's just... Tony Winner. Tony Winner. What did she win for? Not significant other.
1: Carousel. Oh, right. Which Which did I see? I didn't see. forget.
0: Anyway, welcome to this theater podcast. (laughs) There is a little bit of theater that we need to discuss. I mean, you and I are on a little text thread where we've just been Mm chit-chatting about the Salt Lake City finale. I just needed to know your reaction to it, having had a couple days to marinate.
1: Yeah, it was obviously, I think it kind of benefited from being the first shot out of the canon back in the new year from this sort of holiday break. I think Miami was the only show that had a new episode sort of in between Christmas and New Year's timeframe. Like last week kind of felt like a a dead zone in terms of content. And then to come back January 2nd to this episode, I think there was a lot riding on this episode for kind of how this season was going to be viewed as a whole because i think people liked this season so much but the finale was so hyped and that can kind of it's sort of like the last thing you saw is the the only thing you remember so i think if the finale had really played like the air got let out of the tires i think this season would have felt kind of like oh i thought it was gonna i thought it was gonna really Mm -hmm. go somewhere and i think it speaks i enjoyed the episode so much like i i watched it um like Tuesday afternoon in the office, (laughs) literally like (laughs) at my my desk. We were like, are you okay? Um, But I think it really, really speaks to how wild and great of an episode it was that I really haven't seen any of the like armchair quarterbacking of like, "Eh, I thought it was going to be more, more crazy. You know, they hyped up so much. Like it really wasn't that great. I don't think I've seen any of that on Twitter, on Instagram, you know, in people I've talked to, mm-hmm. messaged. I I think it is so rare to have an episode of Housewives like this that is hyped as much as it was, and then really fully feels like it delivered on the hype for pretty much everyone watching.
0: Totally agree. I mean, maybe not since the Sprinter van, and by Sprinter man van, because there have been so many. I mean, Jen Shaw's that was that was an episode in which I think all of us mm-hmm. were just shaken.
1: Yeah, I think that episode that w- episode was interesting because we. Sort of knew exactly what to expect. True. That's a good but, point. That's but it was—it felt just so, sort of once in a lifetime that they got what they did on camera. A and moment then it like this unfolded the way it did, and you know, like Meredith and Mary already in the house and veil, vale. like Mary, like giddy in the tub that Jen got indicted. Um, but then this episode, I think they did a really clever job of framing the promos and the teasers and like the the clip of the phone call and what they sort of teased where it didn't feel like there was any sort of false promise at all in the promotion. And I think sometimes it can feel like, oh, okay, the way you edited that teaser, you really made it seem like it was going to be this, but it ended up just being this. In fact, it was almost the opposite because I think because of what had come out, in the press about Monica and Heather's lawsuit situation with the beauty lab stuff. I think mentally, I sort of just penciled that in as like the conflict of the finale, probably. And so the reality von T's of it all really wasn't even on my radar. And I don't think anybody had sort of predicted that amount of... I don't know conspiracy going on and sort of the way that they were all involved with it. Because even when when Heather sort of called them all to the beach and she's you know sort of monologuing about you know this person who's not what she says and this person this is this is this is like she she took a while to get there, but then once she said it, reality von tees all of them yeah. reacted the exact way that it felt like they were supposed to. Like it wasn't like. Oh, oh, oh. Like it, it felt like every single person was fully bought into the like the level of stakes that they were teasing.
0: Were you surprised that they were also hyper aware of this 5,000 following at this point it's over 20 but a an Instagram yeah. seeming troll account that had 5,000 followers?
1: I think that's uh, yes, and I think that is part of what made it so sort of thrilling and feel so high stakes to watch is that clearly all of these women um, with perhaps the exception of Angie Kay because I don't know where she was during that beach conversation but she was not invited. All of the core four clearly felt like they had personally been involved, implicated, targeted by this account in particular, not just, oh, somebody's DMing me stuff or somebody, the blogs are saying, the streets are saying, it's like, no, this account was the one for years. And yeah, yeah, I mean, so it was surprising because, you know, who cares? I get tagged in random shit every day that I don't even bother to open or really bother to look at or process or respond to. But the fact that they were also hyper aware of it, it's like that kind of clues you in to like it like immediately is like, oh, they all they all know that username.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been reflecting. On the finale for a couple years, just a couple years, LOL, a couple days. It's felt like years because what a world, what a universe that we yeah. have just been um, put in the middle of. And I did have a little bit of an aha moment, mm. which I did share with our text thread, which was in rewatching the episode, which is kind of really thinking about moments that made me go, huh, while watching, and then that just kind of stayed with me thought a little bit about that boutique moment Mm. where heather did not have her credit card nor did angie who maybe had a photo of it maybe not and i just kind of thought to myself was this a little bit of a Mm. theatrical moment was this in knowing now that heather uh, was aware of who monica quote-unquote really was Throughout the weekend, but we did not know. How does that affect the way that we are watching her behavior in re-watching the episode mm-hmm. and kind of like thinking about all of the steps? Because it wasn't the last day that she found all of this out. I mean, right. she had been in She kind of with got Dre. the final piece. Right.
1: But she knew she knew about the beauty lab accounts, she knew about the Tanisha, you know, mm-hmm. all of that was you know, already cooking.
0: Right. And also, P.S., that phone call that she received, we don't know. So I was confused when I was initially watching it. But so like she had been in touch with Dre. She had been in touch with Tanisha, who sent her texts and videos and maybe voice notes. And then she spoke with person x who we don't know who that was because it was like bleeped out Mm -hmm. but that person then gave her final confirmation so i have no idea who that person is nor what final confirmation she received it seemed like she had a pretty good dossier prior but in rewatching and thinking about that boutique app i was like oh my god this was all kind of putting on a show because she wanted to embarrass Angie. Maybe it was because of she wanted to see what would happen if, because obviously this is someone who's not paying her bills, going off of what Heather learned about Beauty Lab, at least that bill, that I think she wanted to test Angie and possibly embarrass her. So I posted that on Instagram, but I didn't add my opinion of it, which was honestly, I thought that was like a baller move of Heather's. Mm-hmm. And in rewatching and I posted the clips again, You know, I put focus on like, oh, and she also didn't have Apple Pay. Now, I only started using Apple Pay during COVID. I'd never used it before, not once, because it did not make sense to me. I feel
1: like that's not like a weirdly late time to have started using it. Oh,
0: okay, good. Um, but I heard from people who were like, Apple Pay isn't a thing. We don't use it where we are. They very well may not have been using it in Bermuda. So I take Apple Pay out of it. I was just saying like
1: they went on a they were it was a shopping excursion. It was the fact Bring that they your were on a credit card.
0: Right. And she had like her little right. bag of things. She didn't have her credit card. And also if you look at Heather's reactions, she seems to be having a little bit of a moment, taking a little bit of a moment, which is not to criticize Heather at all. I genuinely was like, this makes sense because when you rewatch the episode, you can pull out Heather's behavior and in- in interactions and it feels like obviously mm-hmm. she she is aware, she said she was aware that right. there are these little kind of Easter eggs.
1: Yeah, I think Heather did a really good inspired job of kind of taking that Bermuda trip to suss out some of the details and kind of really get a feel for it. And, and, you know, the cast trips, I think, are always interesting because that is the time when they are, you know, more or less stuck together, Mm -hmm. that during the course of the season, you might go a week or two without seeing someone if there aren't any full group scenes or somebody, you know test positive for COVID or has some some trip that they had prior planned. Like, the trip is really the time when you can, you know, observe someone over, a you know, kind of a concentrated period of time. And going back to when she made the comment about like, oh, Meredith doesn't seem like the person who would make a fake account. Like, that's something I would do. Like, those types of things that Monica had sort of like incriminated herself a little bit, even beyond the, you know, receipts-proof timeline screenshot evidence that (laughs) the fucking everything that Heather, you know, already was collecting. And I think, like, that was part of what made that final reveal feel so kind of earned, was that it wasn't just like Heather got a DM from some account that was like, oh, Monica's not your real friend. It was this kind of, like, you know evidence-based conclusion that there wasn't a way for Monica to effectively refute. You know, she at first she sort of tried she's like, no, no, that's not true entirely. I wasn't even I didn't start the account. It was Tanisha. Like all of the things that she was kind of throwing out didn't add up to anything that was gonna change anyone's opinion. So I think, you know, the fact that this was like the the very end of the season I think that was like a really good call on the part of the editors because like if they had if they had kicked Monica out of the dinner in Bermuda and then had another episode next week where they're just like telling their husbands about how crazy the trip was, like I think kind of ending with this bang was such like a flex on the part of editing and production. I think Heather Heather sort of gave them everything they needed at the end of the season.
0: Now, I know there's a lot of information that's come out since, and I have been tracking it like a psychopath. So I'm yeah. going to be recording a um, Patreon episode that's literally like, here's what you missed mm-hmm. <laughs> over the last week. Here's what you missed on Glee. Like, literally, here's the stuff that has happened in the last several days and how the conversation has kind of changed. But one of the things that came out was the fact that, you know, Jen Shah sent a legal letter to Monica and to others right before she was arrested. So that kind of beginning of 2021. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Where she was essentially saying you created this account. It's attacking me and stop, please. Maybe. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And so that led into a conversation of how is it possible that with Jen and Heather's relationship being so close at that point and for a while after that Heather was not aware when Jen was about this account and who was behind it. Um, production, or rather, a source close to production, put out a statement to I think it was ET. That might be wrong. That was like, "LOL, we didn't know." I know a lot of people are saying that production knew, and we did not know until that weekend. So leave us alone. What's your thinking on how much of this had been kind of cooking and percolating?
1: Um, it's tough because I I definitely also had that thought with Jen seemingly knowing now <laughs> three years ago yeah. that Monica was Reality Von tees or was involved with Reality Von tees, that that it, it does seem a little strange that she wouldn't mention that to Heather or any of the other women on the show. But at the same time, if we don't have evidence that she did mention it to the other women on the show, I'm sort of not inclined to examine it more deeply than that like i i i feel like part of the thing with this finale was that and this is totally understandable some people's immediate instinct when they watch an episode like that is to pick everything apart mm-hmm. bit by bit and say well you know if heather knew this then when did this happen and sort of to like to like grab onto the timeline and try and sort of find these like little quirks and inconsistencies and production things. And I I think that that is fine. And if that's the way that you enjoy processing a reality TV episode, that's fine. But for me, I'm like, I don't know, I got the payoff I wanted from this season. And I think, you know, I'm I'm really obviously curious to see how things are at the reunion. I don't know if this is going to be to set them up for success again next season or if it's going to be really just kind of hard to hard to come up with anything that seems interesting in the wake of this. But I really just kind of feel for this week like I I don't need to ask that many questions.
0: I don't know for me that it's a matter of not asking questions. For me, it's like, as you said, at the end of the day, was I entertained by this episode? And if Heather was aware of this, and maybe it was just Heather, but let's say, let's argue, for the sake of argument, (laughs) welcome to Andy's Girls, that Heather was aware of this maybe even prior to the beginning of Mm -hmm. the weekend and maybe didn't tell anybody. Does that affect my viewing experience? And let's say Heather had the full weekend to decide, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make sure that this is really a moment, and maybe I'm doing that because I know my job, but also to drag Monica. Does that affect my viewing experience? And just for me personally, it does not. Because at the end of the day, she delivered. Like At the end of the day, Heather, to me, had a really strong performance. And if it's a capital P versus lowercase p, it doesn't really... Affect me. I think it adds nuance and like interesting moments. I mean, I literally have been tracking the like, and this happened and this happened because I do want to have that yeah. conversation. But also, on top of that, it was a great episode. I've watched it two and a half times, which is honestly not as many times as I've seen other episodes because I think it just delivers so much in its like wholeness and its fullness that I don't need to see it a thousand times.
1: And I think that the, the- the thing that has made this episode kind of as instantly iconic as it is is not just how on paper what monica did or what heather exposed was so crazy because i mean yeah that's part of it but the drama of the episode itself is something that i think is just as if not more important to kind of how we've enjoyed it this week the the images of them with their hair being whipped around by the wind (laughs) on the beach and then at the dinner monica bundled up in that blanket like baby yoda because Mm -hmm. it clearly was like cold and windy at that dinner and you know heather's
0: um reality though
1: the the proof uh screenshots timeline like that that clip going viral and you know the even just the way that they showed up at the dinner and played that like three rounds of that dumb game with the dolls acting like nothing was awry with Meredith being like well Heather I you know I was really hurt by what you people were saying about the DMS and it didn't feel like you cared at all (laughs) it's like pretending that that's like the issue at hand until Heather sort of expertly lays out her cards on the table and and even heather the way that she was like monica 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 can you tell us exactly why you knew this was true and she's like because i had proof because i had evidence and then heather like filing that away and being like that's good i'm gonna use it like (laughs) all of those elements and you know after monica leaves the table the way these women are like wrapping their arms around each other and looking like they've just been through, you know, a war. All of that is why the episode landed kind of as much as it has. Yeah. And so if if Heather was like laying it on a little thick, great. I... <laughs> I'm not complaining. I mean, I think she's the reason that it was so effective. She just really knew
0: how to deliver a story, which Heather does. Like, she can be manipulative. She can be produced. She can self-produce herself in a manner, in a a myriad of ways, Mm -hmm. sometimes helpful for her, sometimes not. But she really, really delivered in that way. Nobody else in the cast could have done what she did at that moment. She understands the theatrics.
1: Yeah. I think she was like, she had the perfect, like, galaxy brain Mm -hmm. way of going about it where it was like I'm going to be absolutely dialed in in this scene but I'm also you know from a bird's eye view aware enough of all the different dynamics that I'm going to make sure that it kind of goes the way the way I want it to and the way that it'll land with the loudest bang.
0: Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right. German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at RosettaStone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. um, Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Ten-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got, along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling, thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef. One egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City, which have, with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen. There does seem to be a pretty split reaction from the audience, or at least from the audience that I have been seeing from people commenting on things, whatever else, about what happens now. Does Monica, should Monica stay on the show? How much of this is like, go queen, you're a troll account. Yes, babe. Like, should she stay on the show or is it entirely not possible? How much does the show need her and how Mm. much do you need her on the show moving forward after the reunion?
1: I think that there is, I I think I have two kind of separate but, you know, real feelings about it. And I think that is, A, I don't think that anything that Monica did is like, you know, throw her in jail. Like, I, I, I I'm not that, like, I'm not, like, morally upset by the idea of Monica kind of pretending to want to be friends with these women. Like... At the end of the day, kind of who cares? Like, Jen was clearly the one who, (laughs) you know, was doing majorly illegal things. And so I'm not, like, upset at Monica in that way. But in terms of her staying on the show, I do feel like she kind of broke the contract a little bit of Mm -hmm. what Housewives... What we at least act like Housewives is. And that's a group of women who are in some way or another friends, quote unquote, with each other. And, you know, they might not get along or particularly enjoy each other's company all of the time, but that there is sort of at least a a veil of realness to Mm -hmm. it, that they are all on some level working on their friendships. And I think that uh, more than anything the video that leaked of monica and her mom oh god with her mom literally saying the words you are an actress and basically you know seeing them fight in that real like not for the camera's way it's like oh their relationship is just as toxic as it came across on camera just with like more weird layers of like like, they're in it together, but they're also fighting about it. And they clearly, it was after Angie's Easter brunch, and they clearly were, like, upset about how things had gone down between them. And therefore, like, with the group, of the, like, the layers of that are, is like a whole other thing. I'm sure you'll get into that on your uh, Patreon. Patreon deep dive. But but I think that that's the kind of thing. And I saw Candace po- uh, posted about this on Twitter, that kind of like that type of thing is what really damages the the whole sort of thesis statement of housewives that it's like even if we know on some level that some of this is sort of being put on for the cameras there has to be at least the like ability to suspend your disbelief that everybody is sort of like approaching it from the same uh from the same um I don't know like general objective and it feels so it feels like monica has sort of we've seen behind the curtain a little bit too much with her and i don't i don't think that there would be a credible way to reintroduce her to the group in any way that would stick
0: Yeah. And I think that there's a difference between like misrepresenting your relationship with your family, misrepresenting how much money you have, like so many other ways of thinking of someone maybe not saying the truth of a relationship versus talking about performing on camera and then secretly recording it and then sharing it seemingly with multiple people, one of whom decided to release it this week. Her best
1: friend, Tanisha Hare.
0: (laughs) Well, but, but the thing is that like Tanisha, then, so essentially it's this four minute video that was released in a couple different parts of of Monica screaming at her mom, her mom yelling back at her, and then it it appears that someone else might be holding the camera, and Mm -hmm. you can hear a voice which unfortunately, potentially, allegedly does sound like Monica's oldest daughter's voice, which makes things just so much more complicated and toxic when you think of how this is just generation after generation of just really unfortunate boundary crossing, but um, that it's an argument that's taking place about them yelling at each other, Monica saying, you humiliated me, everybody thinks you're a joke at Angie's dinner, and her mom being like... I don't know what was her mom saying back like you're piece of shit. I don't remember. It was Well,
1: and she was saying that you're an actress, it's your job right. to go and, perform. you know, perform and, you know, spend time with these women even if you hate them whatever. Yeah, I think I think that this could Monica could have maybe tried to salvage her place on the show if this reveal had happened and she had sort of...
0: The reveal meaning. The, the reality, reality of Yeah, okay.
1: If she had sort of immediately put on this air of contrition and sort of said, this was kind of how it started, but then once I was hanging out with you guys, I, I, it all was real. I, you know... I did start forming these friendships, and I have been through so much. And, you know, the stuff with Jen really messed me up. And I, you know, I want this group, this, you know, you matter to me. But she's kind of done the opposite, which is sort of go scorched earth, both on the episode as she was leaving. But then I think more importantly, since then, on social media, and you know, who I'm assuming at the reunion of kind of like, fuck this, fuck you, fuck fuck everything like I you know I'm iconic and like you're iconic, but to what end if you can't stay on the show more than one season?
0: I mean, I think she's iconic in the sense of being an iconic one and done. Because if you are going to do this, like, yes, I'm the best, I'm the best that has ever happened Mm -hmm. with this, then all we're focusing is on this manipulation and nothing else. And then it's very apparent and obvious that you have no interest in doing anything with anyone else in the cast aside from making fun of them, which if you do not have a single person in the cast who feels Feels like they can trust you or wants to talk to you and doesn't feel like you're maybe secretly recording them. I mean, that's one of many things that came out of the video of her mom. is like me thinking like the overstep of just recording this for what purpose? I understand she has a very toxic relationship with her mom. It might be to share with
1: I was a thinking, therapist. like a therapist
0: <laughs> of like this is the way my mom really. Maybe is. Tanisha Hair
1: is also Tanisha Fair. I mean, Puppy. <laughs> <a bee." laughs>
0: And like the shitty thing about the way that she then posted on social and was like, and Tanisha, who I also said, like fully created that Instagram account is also the one who spread it, who spread it. Oh, my God. Literally what is happening to me today? Who spread all of this information? Then Tanisha posts, is like so ugh, inside baseball in a way that makes me uncomfortable. But then Tanisha posts and is like, no, she shared that with a bunch of people. I would never share that video. I've shared other things mm-hmm. of her lying, but I would never share that because it's just so fucking dark. Yeah. The, the fact is that like, that's a part of who Monica is. She does these things and then feels the need to just kind of vent or send it to a ton of different people. like this is an incredibly dark, complicated, sad, upsetting argument and interaction that we're watching that I feel like we shouldn't have access to. And then I'm thinking like, oh my god, she probably did send this to a bunch of fucking people. so she has no idea who released it. like yeah it's just this gets into the thing of like just crossing boundaries in a way that this is not oh queen energy. like this is just, right. it's and just it would sad.
1: I think it would feel a lot less thorny. If you had found out that Monica's whole thing this season was kind of cooked up between her and her mom, and they were having these fights on camera, and then production was leaving, and they were like, high-fiving and going to dinner and being like, oh, that scene's going to be amazing. But clearly from this video, there's just as much toxicity happening off camera. It just is kind of like, like I said, more Layered and nuanced, and honestly darker than we even saw on the show. But
0: obviously, they were also talking about the performance.
1: Of oh, it. of, of so course, I think but that it wasn't. Both
0: things could have happened. But that it it wasn't really just like
1: my mom and I have an amazing relationship, yeah. but we're going to pretend it sucks because right. that's going to get no. screen time. I think, though, you know, like I was saying before, I I don't feel morally, you know, icky enough about what she did this season that I don't want to see her on like the traders next season or something like I think that that is sort of maybe the the type of thing that now she should be aspiring to if assuming she wants to um continue extend these, <laughs> or these continue minutes. Um, that, that it's like kind of once this reunion ends like maybe pivot your energy away from being mad at Heather and whoever else and like you know start making some calls and get yourself on a show
0: yeah i mean I think a show
1: where you don't have to like really pretend to be real friends with people
0: right i think that's smart i think doing a trader style thing or like you know big brother family boot Who camp knows? with your mom or like whatever i mean oh, there yeah. there has been a precedent set before of dr that.
1: drew would dr drew's wet dream <laughs>
0: Oh, God. I think that there, it's going to be an interesting reunion. I think it's going to be a good one. Although her bringing out that burn book, I was like, this is so stupid. Like, you just it's but again, you know, burn
1: book, the photo shoot. She's she's doing the playbook right now. And, you know, maybe she'll be on.
0: She's racing through it because she knows she doesn't have a lot of time left. Maybe she can like
1: pull a Monique and be on like Love and Marriage, Salt Lake City, or something for one season.
0: I mean, it's possible. (laughs) It just it's 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 just so fucking dark. And it's like I know that there's often the conversation that has existed in the last several days of well, what Jen did was a lot worse. And it's like, of course, of course, but also playing into that. I mean, it's not it is quite literally not wrong. Absolutely. I think most people, if not the vast majority of people agree with that. But also, that's not the standard of how you move forward with filming these shows. It's not like, well, she didn't, you know, plead guilty to multiple felonies. So she right. deserves a chance to film again. That's not how this stuff right. works.
1: That it's like, yeah, Jen's not on the show either. Like, it's yeah. not like Jen got brought back for another season. Mm-hmm. And Monica got you know, benched for what she did. It's like, no, Jen's in federal prison. Nobody is suggesting that Monica needs to go to, like, a worse federal prison than Jen. She just might not make sense in this, like real or imagined group of friends.
0: It's just so wild when you think of the episodes that we've seen this week. So Potomac <laughs> was off this week. So we had Salt Lake City, one of the craziest episodes I most people I think believe of all time in yes. the franchise Lexicon. Then you have Miami, mm-hmm. which was like
1: roller coaster
0: sobbing. I mean, Anna Kincosis kind of flopped. But the mm. end of the episode, the middle to end of the episode, what Gertie is experiencing, that is vulnerability. Those are, not to compare the two at all, but just yeah. like what she is going through right now, what her incredibly lovely husband, how he was there to support her, the conversation that she had with her nurse, who had-
1: With her kids who's too, Who's also yeah. a survivor
0: of cancer, the, meet, seeing her kids again after her surgery. It's just, it's- it, It was just so emotional that it's wild when you think about the fact that these franchises technically are all housewives franchises and that sometimes you go from like yelling at a mom brunch and Mm -hmm. arguing about whether or not Lisa using her housekeeper's housekeeper's car was tacky to like having this enormous, profound experience watching what Gertie is going through. It is sort of the fascinating thing about Housewives is that you can have these moments of reality TV and then such intense reality that you don't really it's a real up and down. You don't really know what you're going to experience, but they keep you connected.
1: Yeah, I was talking to I had um our, you know, shared friend Samantha Bush on my podcast yesterday. And we were talking about how kind of like Gertie's storyline was a reminder of how real life can be on these real Housewives shows. And that something like what happened in Salt Lake City this week was extremely entertaining. And, you know, Obviously, I'm I'm glad that we got to see it. But when you think about kind of the what Monica's whole like season-long project was seemingly with these women, that it's like then watching Gertie be so vulnerable and so, you know, open and share so much and seeing, you know. Seeing and hearing from three generations of her family on on this week's oh my God, episode, her and, talking
0: to her parents. Yeah, and her dad, to her mom, praying for I, her on the phone, and then her and, mom saying to her mom repeatedly, "Like I love you, I love you," and waiting for her mom to say mm-hmm. it back. And the reason her mom didn't say it immediately was because she was obviously sobbing and overwhelmed. That fucked me up.
1: And the, I mean, Gertie reminding us that her. Her brother and his kids passed away. Dead,
0: what her mom has experienced—that it's like
1: her her parents mm. have been through this. I mean, not the exact same thing, but have 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 lost a, a child and grandkids and know the pain of that. Oh. And that seeing their daughter now tackle something like this—it's it's kind of it's like unfathomable in a way, but then it's so. You know, so lovely the way, and i I loved that this episode, the first half of it, obviously was like such a shit show with everything that happened at that Mother's Day brunch. But then I liked that it felt like we they kind of gave it the space and the attention mm-hmm. because I think I think it speaks a lot to Gertie. It's her third season now. And I think she has this year especially really become. Such a key player in this franchise, and it's a great franchise with a with a top tier cast. And I think Gertie feels like a top tier housewife within that cast. And the fact that her personal stuff this season is landing so strongly with the audience, like she deserves she deserves that time. And I'm glad that they gave it to her. and I'm, you know, i'm I'm happy that she is doing well now. And like, I don't know. Like, I feel like the first, like when they rebooted Miami, kind of like figuring out sort of all the dynamics within the cast and they've had, you know, nine people on the cast for three seasons now that all really are active participants. There's a lot of competition for sort of whose storylines get the attention, which conflicts seem interesting, which what are we focusing on? Obviously, last season y- Lisa and Lenny was sucking a lot of oxygen out of the room. And this season, to some extent, it still is. And so I feel like Gertie getting that time, she's she's earned it. And I'm I'm glad that it's being, you know, used so so lovingly i think
0: i feel like the production is being really sensitive to her i wish the rest of her cast was as well i don't feel like that's happening and in the trailer for next week it just feels like they're being so flippant toward her even the way that they were talking to her at that brunch i'm thinking in my head like her fucking surgery is the next day can you just like get off of her a little bit like it just feels like maybe in their push to make drama happen or maybe they actually feel this way that just some of the members of her cast are really being so insensitive and just in the trailer for next week it feels like in a moment of just guttural exasperation that she has to say you know I'm you know having another surgery so essentially go fuck yourself what led up to that moment Makes me concerned because I just feel like, again, it's people not understanding the difference between having a moment of like heightened stakes and maybe a little bit of performance because you understand the metrics of housewives and having someone who is just diagnosed with cancer who's trying to survive. Just pick someone else. I just don't, Mm -hmm. I don't appreciate it. I don't feel like Lisa's being sensitive to her. Obviously, Lars is a joke. Like, it just feels like just give this woman a moment to breathe because she's dealing with some real fucking shit and just even. The stress of it, that's not entirely on the rest of her cast, but I just, I'm like, let let the like yeah. just show a little bit of understanding that's not flippant. That's not like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Okay, so I want to yell at you about this thing. It's like, no, just give her a moment to breathe.
1: Yeah, I think the Miami cast right now, I th- I'm I'm really, you know, I think this season is very enjoyable. Like, I, I'm yeah, not No, like, I
0: love the season. I love the season. And love I it.
1: think the cast is great. I think this cast at least a handful of them could benefit from being just a little bit less self-centered in mm-hmm. not necessarily like as people in life because I don't I don't need to like diagnose somebody's you know Self-centeredness. yes but I think I think just in the in the equation of the show I think that Obviously, Lisa has really been put through the ringer over the last year plus of everything that's happened with Lenny. And obviously, it makes sense that that's going to be, you know, weighing on her a lot. I get that. I think that with somebody like Larsa, she isn't really going through anything this season. She loves her boyfriend. She wants to spend all her time with him. Great. It feels like she has she has the bandwidth or should have the bandwidth to be a good friend to Gertie to be an extra good friend to Gertie with what she's going through to uh to give a shit about her friendship with Kiki even though she doesn't have a man that she can go on triple dates with them LOL. with and it feels like i would also honestly and I, I you know i salute her for all of the um you know hard hard work that she's putting in this season but i think Adriana could stand to be just like a little bit more of a real person and a little bit less of a, a you know, Housewives cartoon character. Mm. Because the conversation that she had with Julia at the the tail end of this week's episode as well, I think that Julia is handling her role within the group so normally and so well that she's been around these women for three years. Of course, she has this close friendship with Adriana, but it's not a ding against her relationship with Adriana that she wants to perhaps explore a friendship with Alexia. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Adriana kind of can't handle that and is seemingly so insecure in her friendship with Julia that she sees this like somewhat closeness with Alexia as a threat to their friendship. It's kind of just, it sucks to watch because I'm like, I like Julia. And I think that Julia is just doing a normal thing and trying to build relationships with the women that she's spending time with and i don't know i i think it's i actually i i really was glad that julia kind of said something about i don't really want to be talking about alexia's finances and especially when it's like this weird tea that you're getting from some woman who clearly you know is thirsty for some attention again it's like i i think it's a good thing that julia said that and I think I wish Adriana had more taken it to heart and said, "Okay, yeah, I get that. I know you're like trying to see where your friendship goes with her right now. I'll I'll back off and like if I get more concrete information then maybe we can maybe it'll I'll bring it back up, but like for now I get that you don't want to be the rumor mill about your new friend. I, I I just think like this cast could benefit from like a little bit more um of like a let's Come down to earth and be friends. Yeah,
0: and also Julia has the right to be like, I don't feel like being a vessel for this kind of drama because I'm in. A, I'm the one that's going to get blamed. Like, instead, if Adriana like wants this to be a thing, then sweetie, like stand on your own two feet. You know, talk yeah, about and, it. And I
1: think that was it, it was uh, so weird to watch that brunch unfold with you know the whole thing last like last week's episode before Anna was even there when mm-hmm. Alexia just like saw the place card and then it was a whole thing with <laughs> Nicole and you know i have i definitely have questions about nicole's kind of um handling of that whole situation i don't i don't necessarily buy the idea that she had like no clue that there was any kind of weirdness between anna and some of the other women on the cast but at the same time i don't necessarily think that that is like nicole's the devil and she's trying to get marisol by letting adriana bring this woman to her brunch
0: yeah, I don't think Nicole, I mean, Nicole being like, I don't know who she is. She seems nice. I mean, I did think that was, she was like full shit.
1: She's like, I wasn't around 10 years ago. How would I know? It's like, <laughs> she was on a podcast like last week.
0: You watched the show. You literally watched the show.
1: But then also, I there's, it was so <laughs> funny to hear Anna like three different times be like, Marisol, I didn't say I wish you were dead. My daughter said oh my that God. my do." My daughter called you a rotting corpse. It's not the same thing. And it's like, it's not the same thing, but it's also not great. (laughs) You
0: were laughing at it. We just saw her repeatedly, the the focus shift (laughs) to her, literally laughing at these lines that you know they fed each other prior to recording. I'm going to say this, and then you say this, and then we have a moment, and maybe it gets picked up. Like, I don't begrudge you for it, but don't put the onus of responsibility on your kid.
1: Right. And it's not like, oh, my daughter's an adult. I have no control over what she does. It's like you were on this podcast together.
0: (laughs) Don't they have their own podcast, too? I I think think they
1: might. It's, It's so interesting to me because Miami is such a unique franchise with just the way that it was on for three seasons and then off for eight years and then came back because there's no other franchise that really has like The people that were on Miami before that didn't come back for the reboot, with the exception of maybe Leah Black, like they don't really exist in the like Bravo canon that much.
0: Until the reboot.
1: Like, uh, yes. So I'm saying like, obviously, Alexia, Marisol, Adriana, Larsa, but like people like Anna, people like Karen, people like (laughs) even Joanna Krupa, who has a following on her own. Yeah those women are not sort of in the housewives lexicon in any meaningful way. And so to bring Anna back, it's like, I just, it wasn't really ever going to be this like iconic moment of bringing Anna back because even if you've watched that season, it was so long ago and it's like, was she even that, did she do that much? Like it just, it, it felt like sort of a, a, a failed proposition all around
0: could have worked i mean they were ready for it to work they were obviously super triggered by it but then she just tried to soften and be like i didn't do anything to you instead of owning it just like just fucking own it
1: well and also her like weird um y- you know awkward olive branch to lisa so odd. Where she's like yeah i hope you know that i've been supporting you all the time in your divorce and you know fuck lenny and it's like and lisa's like what <laughs> I don't know if they specifically have beef, but they certainly aren't friends.
0: <laughs> and this isn't helpful for Anna when the clip goes back to her essentially calling Lisa like room a room service whore. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't, you just fuck her and then leave her at the hotel. You don't take her home. I'm watching that being like, what did you just say about this? Yeah,
1: song? so I think it's it, wild. Yeah, I don't know what um I I don't know. It it definitely seems like Anna thought that she was gonna kind of like come back and maybe get something going and I I certainly don't think after this episode that there's much of a hankering for that at least from the viewers and not from at least half the cast
0: (laughs) yeah I think it's like take your moment because you don't know how many of those you're gonna have
1: like there was no moment at that brunch where everyone was sitting down at the same time (laughs) There was no, there was no like, okay, let's all sit down to eat. And yeah. then maybe you can storm out 10 minutes for another like, five
0: different exits.
1: I don't even think everybody was ever there at the same time.
0: <laughs> is there, there,
1: the, the, the Marisol and Alexia leaving, running into Todd and then deciding to go back. is just like, so stupid
0: running into Nicole. What's Nicole's husband's name? <laughs> or not Todd, not, not Todd. Hot, Anthony. Hot. Yes. Yeah. Anthony, Anthony. Sorry. I meant Anthony. No, I just think of him as like. Millionaire beard. Like, that's all I see. It's just that wonderful beard and the fact that he has um, bajillions the, like, salt and of pepper. dollars. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he likes doing, like, in, uh, what's it called? Um, design for their bajillion dollar house. It's so
1: I cool. actually, it's I so loved, cool. I liked seeing them at the new house together a oh, lot where I he's like, it. where Nicole's like, yeah, I don't really like looking at a bunch of choices. So Anthony will just put, pick like three or four and then I just point to the one I, I want. That. I'm like, that's what I want.
0: That's <laughs> like, you're living the life. I about, want... like fucking backsplash or whatever. I don't even understand it, but I want it. I want want it with him.
1: (laughs) I want A, millions of dollars and B, someone someone who knows my taste well enough to choose three things that I'm going to like. And yeah. then I just get to pick the one that I like the most.
0: I'm extremely into it. Um, listen, there's so much that has happened. I do want to touch base a little bit about Beverly Hills because I thought that there were three moments that stayed with me. You might have different takes and oh. we're not going to have the chance to really yeah. dive. So thank God that AG isn't a linear po- uh, recap podcast because I, this is I could never oh, do it. Is, never do it's, it. it. Been <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: been a week. <laughs>
0: it's been a week. There's been a lot happening. Okay. There's been a lot going on. So, you know,
1: you know, just it's, you know, me. it's a crazy week of Housewives when Beverly Hills feels like an afterthought no. compared to two other things that have happened. Okay. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess
0: I guess we should,
1: I guess we can talk about I Beverly mean, Hills. There's
0: a little bit going on for me. The three moments Crystal talking with Rob about the ways yeah. that this kind of like Ozempic culture has affected her, which I think anyone who has dealt with an eating disorder, body dysmorphia, I think felt seen in that moment, or at least a lot of people did. Kim Kim's fucking emotional growth in that scene with Kyle after Kyle absolutely mm. sidestepped the question of who are you bringing to the wedding? Cause it's probably not going to be your husband and, and Kyle being like, so about Kathy <laughs> was like a fascinating moment, but Kim really made me emotional in watching. Cause I just feel yeah. like she has grown so much and I think could very well be the guiding light for her sisterly trio. And to me just was like, I was very emotional watching it. I was very proud of her and hopeful for her.
1: I realized as I was kind of unpacking my thoughts about this episode yesterday, I think that this season really might be the first time that Kim has ever been on the show and it hasn't felt like a source of tension. Mm -hmm. Whether it was tension because she was going through it and didn't seem like she was in a good place, or whether it was her relationships with Mm -hmm. her sister or with other women in the cast, Lisa Rona. It's really the first time, even from some of the seasons where Kim would sort of show up for a couple of episodes and you were kind of like, is this, do we want this? Is this good for her? Is this good for us? Is this, does this make sense? This is the first time where it just feels like Kim is around because she is. Like, she she's around because Kyle's her sister and some of these women are her friends. And it's like, yeah, it makes sense that Kim would be invited to a, a party or to Taco Tuesday or whatever. And it's just like genuinely nice to see her. And there's no there's no feeling in the back of my mind where I'm like, oh Kim, like get away from the, you know, get get away from the stove. Like I, I just I feel like there is such a, a lightness of Kim's presence this season and that Kyle and her having that conversation that really is like 15 years in the making, maybe like 50 years in the making if we're if we're zooming out. Like it felt like such a grown up moment for them and i was i was really just ha- like in a total unnuanced way just like happy to see them have that moment
0: 1000% and i felt like one of the many things that kind of came to me in watching that scene together was like kim is being the caregiver mm-hmm. and i love to see kim the caregiver because I think she has felt minimized and her sisters have also obviously had their own experiences with everything that Kim has gone through and how that has affected the family dynamic and vice versa. And there's just something wonderful about seeing Kim counsel Kyle. I just, I love to see it. I really do. I just, I think it's powerful and maybe unexpected to some people, but a moment in which I really do think Kim deserves a lot of credit because it felt like she's done so much Mm -hmm. work.
1: Yeah. And I think that Kim, you know, the dynamic and sort of the levels between the three sisters have changed a lot in a lot of different ways over the years. But it does feel like right now, Kim is in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think that Kim she's been through enough and dealt with enough both personally and like bullshit with <laughs> the rest of them mm-hmm. that it's like Kim wants to be in the middle of like a love sandwich. She doesn't want to be in the middle of like a tug of war. And I think that I I think that she she's at a place where she's like I only want this to be something that we can like experience, go through together in a positive way, and not like fighting. Like I just, it just feels like I don't know. I, it, and we talked about perf- the idea of like performance earlier, mm-hmm. and I think that this scene it really felt like there wasn't any kind of like airs being put on or any sort of you know, s- like there wasn't really like subtext to what was going on. It was like they were being really honest and open with each other in a way that I, I just. I love to see.
0: I do love to see it. I thought it was really, I thought it was honestly a special moment. And, you know, I think with like Kim and a love sandwich, I think at the end of the day, Kim just wants to try to like figure this out. And what she was talking about, about like carrying anger on um, behalf of her relationship with her mother and what Kyle was talking about with like, I don't like loud arguments because of what I experienced as a child. I mean, I just think we're getting to things here that over a decade later, we haven't really discussed when it came to the um, Richard Sisters, and it felt like there was always a lot of tension of like, I'm not allowed to be honest about mm-hmm. what I experienced and maybe what we all experienced with each other as adults, certainly, but also as kids. Like, we're getting to some fucking meat here, which we it's wild when you think about the fact that those conversations, there was just so much tension in like, you're not allowed to talk about this.
1: Yeah. And I think Kyle, I, I want to give Kyle credit, mm-hmm. too, because I think that this season is really the first time that she's been on Housewives where she doesn't feel like she has the luxury of kind of being able to hide behind like, I'm Kyle with the perfect husband and the perfect kids and plenty of money and, you know, great clothes. And like, it feels like she's kind of having to dig a little deeper this season and be maybe a little bit more vulnerable with like, some of the things that she's struggling with. Whereas before, I think even if her relationships or her, you know, some of her personal stuff was tricky in the past, she always kind of had that like, you know, like, like that perfect existence to sort of like shelter in a little bit. And I think to her credit, she's, she's kind of going through it this season in a way that is pretty um, visible. And she's not kind of trying to like, I don't know, beat around the bush as much as she could.
0: Well, speaking of beat around the bush, I do think that we need to just take one moment, mm-hmm. which well, just one little baby moment, to talk about another thing that maybe you've forgotten about because it was just, oh, I don't know, do I remember having any feelings about a certain lunch? <laughs> um, perhaps I do, uh, between Garcelle and Dorit, in which Dorit repeatedly um, said, you know, I didn't intend to harm you, so there was no harm and I want to hear you, but I don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. And um, if it's offended you versus the whole fucking reason you're at this godforsaken lunch, babe, is because it offended her. And then we had a scene. We had a scene. Yeah. <laughs> and it it's, went super well, obviously.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough because I think that Garcelle is giving her as much grace as she possibly can. More
0: grace than she deserves. More
1: grace than she... Yes. There we yes. go. And I I think that it feels like Garcelle, in a way, is like she's trying to find the line between not sweeping it under the rug, but also trying not to make her feel bad or like... No, no, no. You're giving eyes. Uh, you're giving eyes. I'm saying that Garcelle is trying to Garcelle is trying to bring it up because it matters to her without creating more of an issue. Like she doesn't want Dorit to hate her. And I think that because Dorit is not good at having this conversation. I think it could go sideways even if Garcelle wasn't doing anything wrong.
0: The difference here is I think Garcelle is thinking less about whether or not Dorit hates her because I really don't think Garcelle gives a fuck. I think Garcelle is um, attempting to be honest with Dorit without landing back into whatever trope Dorit would like to assign her. Like, I don't think Garcelle's thinking, I don't want this woman to dislike me. I think Garcelle is thinking, I don't want this woman to manipulate my frustration using these tropes that she's very comfortable stepping into, including the fact that Dorit is the victim and needs to be comforted.
1: I think that's pretty much what I was getting at. Yeah, okay. That, like, that I think Garcelle knows that even if she does nothing wrong... Dorit could come out of this conversation... Totally. ...painting her as, you know, scary Garcelle.
0: Yeah, because she's relying on the angry Black woman trope. Yes, So Garcelle doesn't feel... I, I think that there's an element here of, like, maybe Garcelle feeling like, how much of my frustration am I allowed to communicate going... And by allowed, I mean, like, going off of this system that Dorit seems more than happy to deploy and employ as necessary. Like... Dorit repeatedly telling her, tell me how you feel. And then Garcelle says, well, I feel like you're relying on some subconscious like Karen-esque manipulations. And Dorit saying, how dare you? Do you understand what that would do to me? What my behavior holding me accountable would do to me? That's really mean. You need to apologize. Mm-hmm. Like that's the TLDR, I thought of that conversation.
1: Yeah, I think it's tough because I, I think that. I'm I'm glad that Garcelle is having this conversation with Dorit because I think that Dorit's behavior, you know, warrants uh, a talking to. I wish that there was somebody else in the cast that was maybe willing to also kind of uh, step up and be involved that didn't put all the onus on Garcelle to do it herself. Too bad
0: Erica didn't in her one-on-one with Dorit. Yeah, that was a really missed opportunity. Yeah,
1: but I think on a you know on a little bit of a different plane, I also. Thinking about like the friendships within the group, I also kind of wonder like how much Garcelle and Dorit even really like like should be friends. No, they shouldn't be friends. And even a so little bit. it's it's tough because I'm glad that Dorit is hearing this from someone, or you know, is like maybe maybe she's not hearing, but she's she's it's being said to her.
0: She's technically physically in a seat <laughs> next to someone, technically in conversation.
1: Yes, Dorit needs to hear it, but I, I at the same time, almost wish Garcelle would sort of be like, if Dorit's going to do this shit, then I don't need to be friends with Dorit and I'll go hang out with people who aren't going to do this shit.
0: I think that's what, what Garcelle did repeatedly. I think some of this is not up to Garcelle, it's production
1: saying, exactly. oh, what I would
0: really like is for this conversation. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I'll, I think that's obviously you can't... that of course, is playing a role because they're, you know, filming a season. But I I think that, or I hope that after this, Garcelle sort of, like, doesn't really give a fuck anymore and kind of just, like, goes her own way. And I think they're, you know, this season is weird because we're only, like, halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like there are pieces that I am interested in seeing and engaging with. And then there are three scenes of Sutton's matchmaking journey.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And then Anne Marie Anna Marie is allegedly a full-time housewife who Ugh. was not even in this episode. And it just feels like not that
0: we're upset about that.
1: No, but like but I have questions about it. Yeah. And it just feels like this season is sort of cobbled together in a mm. way that it's like okay I think there's going to be some interesting stuff with Kyle and Mauricio I'm we'll see how that unfolds um you know I I actually think Erica for the most part has had a a pretty good season so far mm-hmm. the stuff with her and Denise it, it, is you know objectively watchable I I just kind of wonder like this does not feel like a season where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts so I agree. far. I
0: I totally agree. And I also feel like the edit for that scene with Garcelle and Dorit was um, not the most sensitive, which is to me consistent for Beverly Hills production. Mm. I think when they have an opportunity to add nuance and clarity that could be um, interesting, they often go the different a different way. I think their storytelling around ED stuff has been um, at best obnoxious and and um, probably more realistically, actually dangerous the way that they've used um, certain triggering words and jokes seemingly mm-hmm. as a to be continued. Uh, certainly last season was horrifying and Just in the flashbacks that they did when Dorit was like, well, a lot of people have used attacked and you're just doing flashbacks of white women using the word attacked with each other, which really doesn't do anything and was a real missed opportunity to not focus on what Garcelle has experienced as a black woman in the cast. It felt like they were leaning in to try to. Uh, more fully support Dorit's perspective, which made me feel like, what are we supposed to be feeling coming out of this episode? Because obviously, if you look on social, there are there's a large, large community of people who understand and empathize with Dorit's experience and feel like Garcelle is overstepping. And while people have the right to feel however they want, it's uh, it did not feel representative in a way to what both of these women have experienced as a result of being on the show mm-hmm. and. keeping separate what Dorit has suffered as a result of that home robbery, which I'm not in any way minimizing. Just to say, like, Garcelle's child receiving racist death threats, we're focusing on and we're trying to understand Garcelle's feelings and experience, and we're using flashbacks that support Dorit in this. Like, what is the show trying to communicate to us? Because they have an ability to be nuanced and respectful with other storylines and other conversations, but it feels like they... Consistently miss the mark in Beverly Hills, or even,
1: or even to they could attempt being objective in the way that they portray right. it, and it doesn't even feel like that's where they're landing mm-hmm. or where they're trying to land. That it feels like they're they are sort of even in this conversation portraying Dorit as like the one who maybe is getting more than she deserves from Garcelle or more than more like
0: from this, from more, the more from heat the, than she deserves.
1: Yes. And
0: wait, say that again. Oh, that's what the, the, edit. the, the edit is sort of right, suggesting I totally that it's like with. maybe, right.
1: maybe Dorit misspoke or said something that wasn't They're perfect, giving Dorit the
0: benefit of the doubt.
1: Yeah. Just at least enough that it feels like it feels like people are watching the show and getting that from the show. And I, I, yeah, it's, it's tricky because, like I was saying, their friendship clearly is, you know, has its own bumps and things like that, and that you know, it doesn't mean that Garcelle is perfect and the the angel of Beverly Hills, and like you could have a more nuanced edit without those like things coming into play. But
0: also, the goal here isn't for these women to be friends. The goal is to receive some sort of closure as a result of the taco tuesday and then just kind of like keeping it moving i don't think the goal is for these women to be like let's be besties i think the goal is to attempt as the show is trying to to put some sort of button into this moment Mm. that did not get any kind of closure to me as a result of dorit's behavior and i do just have to say because i did have a little bit of a moment talking about it on social um that I've had a conversation with a couple different Jewish because there are so fucking few of us in the world, but also in the Bravo universe, there are very, very few Jewish content creators. And Jews are not a monolith. Black people are not a monolith. Black Jews are not a monolith. People from all different kinds of marginalized communities are not a monolith. Everyone has the right to their own opinion. And I certainly have the right to mine, which is that I thought that Dorit referencing being Jewish as a way to redirect the conversation was a look. And while she may have given her an attempt at a benefit of the doubt, which I can't even say looking at you in the face, so I'm looking at the ceiling right now, but let's give her the benefit of the doubt for kicks and say that she was trying to find a, mu- a moment of having community between herself and Garcelle, came out to me, came across to me as like incredibly manipulative and you could use Uh, your experience as a Jew as a way to find a common bond with someone who is not Jewish um, and is a member of uh, another marginalized community by saying, here's an example, as a Jew, I have experienced microaggressions, and I don't have your experience as a Black person. And as a Jew who's a member of another marginalized community, I want you to know that I want to be a safe space for you, and I want to hear and understand you. And instead, what Dorit did was say, don't you remember that I'm a Jew, so like, we should see each other? No, your view of of us seeing each other is Garcelle only seeing you and not getting in trouble if the reverse mm-hmm. doesn't occur. And she, Dorit doesn't carry the burden of all of this, but it is very frustrating right now to be a Jewish person who feels like the experience of being a Jew is minimized in the huge increase in anti-Semitic violence and uh, hate crimes and uh, violent words. Um When that's centered around a system of uh, systemic racism and of looking at Jews as, like, the oppressor, which is what a lot of people, especially in, unfortunately, progressive communities are doing right now, where you're thinking to yourself— I can't talk about acts of violence against Jews because to me that is operating within a structure of like white supremacy and white privilege is so fucked that Jews are often not seen as being a part of a marginalized community that deserves to be heard and believed and supported. What Dorit was doing in that moment, this is she does not bear the responsibility for this, but what Dorit is doing in that moment because there are so few Jews and there are so few Jews on Housewives and there are so few content creators is to continue this narrative where Jewish people cannot listen to or understand other marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. And I can't say enough that this is not Dorit's responsibility to bear, but the timing, it would never be okay, Mm -hmm. but the timing of it right now with what Jewish people are being experienced where we're not believed when we talk about anti-Semitism or we're mocked and we're not listened to, it's very real. I'm not in any way equalizing what a Jew goes through every day versus a non-Jewish Black person. But I am saying that when it comes to marginalized communities, ideally, one person's identity as a Jew is not being used to silence another person's upset. And Dorit does not bear the responsibility Of carrying all of this for her, it's just really unfortunate timing that a person talking about their Jewish experience is to me being used to like soften the blow Mm -hmm. of harm that she has done. And you should you deserve to be held accountable if you overstep. I don't think Garcelle is responsible for (laughs) Dorit saying. I I am Jewish, so I, I cannot do these other things because I think that's completely fucked. Yeah. Your, your Your representation as a part of a marginalized community should not be used to absolve you of mm-hmm. harm that you have caused. And it's just really unfortunate right now because Jews are, again, not a monolith. It's just really difficult to watch this conversation go out. Knowing what this will continue to contribute to. And again, that's not uh, Garcelle's responsibility to carry all of people's frustration that she's even expressing frustration toward Dorit. Her comments on her post right now are unacceptable. But as Dorita is not like the victim of her own karen there's something else happening here in like the resulting action that I think people might watch and say, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is why Jews aren't allies. This is why Jews are a part of a structure. And we're thinking of Jewish people as not being a part of a marginalized community. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. it's, it's very complicated and it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's frustrating.
1: Yeah, I think I think that that conversation I I think Dorit handled it poorly in several, several different ways, <laughs> but I think that that th- going that route in particular, I think it just didn't it didn't land. I don't know exactly how she intended it to land, but I I I just don't think it landed. And I think you did a you did a good job of explaining not only why it wasn't like the right thing to say to Garcel in that moment, but also the broader implications and ways that it can be interpreted that are maybe harmful in a broader sense than just like Garcelle not being very happy with her.
0: Yeah. And ideally for having a conversation, regardless of if you're a member of a marginalized community or not, we're having a conversation where people feel heard. And the thing to me that was really upsetting about that conversation was I got the sense of things just in watching as a viewer that Garcelle did not feel heard. I don't think that Garcelle felt heard as a result. And that's that is maybe life that's maybe maybe this is realistic that a a person would have a conversation with another person and they would come out of that maybe with both of them feeling like in a superficial way we're moving forward but now I know for real I can't trust you like Mm
1: -hmm. well and Dorit also did the the textbook um Karen well you're privileged too like you have privilege also which
0: is something that I talked about with Erica Cobb on a recent episode and it's like you cannot use Garcelle's success against her when she's talking about her experience of being a black yes. woman. Yeah. Garcelle being phenomenal and talented and successful in Hollywood does not negate her experience of being a black woman. You could argue it supports it because look at this person who has a lot of money, a lot of power and what she still goes through because she is a black woman. That is her identity and It's just it's frustrating. And it was frustrating to me that Dorit was like her reaction was like, so are you expecting me to like be sensitive? Are you expecting me to like watch my words? And it's like, yes, bitch. You should. Yeah. You should watch your words. You I know this is a terrible thing that we are approaching where it's like you feel like god forbid I feel uncomfortable and I have to think before I say things out loud, that's a disservice to me. And it's like, well, babe, welcome to the universe. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, it's
1: like you you do that more than you realize in your life anyway. Yeah. And so somebody pointing out when you
0: need to edit when
1: you should be doing that is actually like they're they're helping you. They're not <laughs> they're, they're not um they're not saying that to be mean. They're saying that so that you don't get into these situations. Yeah. And when again, it- and maybe with people who will be a little bit less. Uh, gracious.
0: Yeah. And both of these women have different privileges. But think of the privilege that Dorit has coming out of that scene and how I thought the edit supported her. I just was like, what a fucking mess this is. But anyway, mm. Shalom means hello, goodbye and peace. And I feel like we must wrap this episode with some sort of feeling of light. So um, what are we looking forward to most? What What's the franchise that's got your heart going pitter patter? What are you looking forward to most next week?
1: Uh, next week, I think. I mean, I the obvious answer is the Salt Lake City reunion, because that's kind of, I think, like the going to mm-hmm. be the, the marquee thing of the next few weeks. But I got to say, I'm a little bit uh, stressed about sort of just what that vibe is going to be like, because the women I don't think have really seen Monica or, you know, spent time with her in any meaningful way. So I'm like, I I hope that it's not just uncomfortable the whole time. Um and I I hope that they can meaningfully address other things within the group besides just don't we hate Monica? Um I I really am <laughs> as much as this doesn't seem to be like the the popular sentiment, I'm curious to see how Potomac comes back from there. They've been off for two like they took two Sundays off. For the holidays, so yeah. it, it does feel like there has been um, a lot of breathing room for that franchise, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always hoping for the best with Potomac, um, and so I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe in the back half of their season they can uh, stir up some momentum, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited for the Salt Lake City reunion. Noting that when I watched the trailer, which I've seen a couple times, at the end when Mary appears, I'm like, oh my god, Mary! Yeah. Like- well, it is.
1: <laughs> it is interesting totally that forgot. in the first half of the season, Mary was very present on the show for the most part. She wasn't at absolutely everything, but she was consistently showing up. And then they did that thing toward the end of the season where she just sort of disappeared. There was never a conversation about her not going on the trip to Bermuda. Right. Like it it felt like she had sort of been quietly removed from the cast in a way. Mm -hmm. And so I was sort of surprised that she even attended the reunion. She has skipped a reunion before. um, And I didn't know if she would even be invited to this one. Obviously, she was. Um, I I actually did have the thought yesterday, I'm like, is Anna Marie going to be at all parts of the Beverly Hills reunion this season?
0: Is she still full time?
1: She's she only been on the show for like three episodes. And
0: like every sneak preview and her talking on the after show, which I did also watch, is like her talking about Sutton's esophagus. Like this. It's so, so awful. So this,
1: this week of Beverly Hills was episode 11, I believe. Oh, my God. And she was introduced in episode six at Kyle's party. It's a later start. Party. OK. So she's literally only been in like four or five episodes of the show. And, you know. We weren't focused on her at Kyle's party, that's for sure. So, like, it it just is – I'm trying – every week I'm, like, trying to see the reason that they gave her a diamond or, or, you know, kept giving her a diamond Because, you know, it's happened before. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sutton was supposed to be a full time housewife true. the first season she filmed the show. And Good then, point. you know, other forces were at work and she was a friend of. And I'm, I'm, I really, I, I like, I don't want to talk about Anna Marie more than, um, more than is warranted. But I truly, I'm just like, I don't understand what happened here.
0: Also, I do want to just, you know, because information is power. And I forget if I talked about this on AG Classic, I certainly did on the three Patreon episodes that went up this <laughs> past weekend, um, where I was literally the last episode I was recording on New Year's Eve. And I was like, I want to continue this. It was over an hour. And I really thought to myself, should this be a 10 hour recor- episode? Because it was just, there was so much that came out of uh, Satchel Spectacular. But um, uh, so for anybody interested, because again, I don't remember if the uh, was clarified in AG Classic, her name is spelled A-N-N-E, yes. but it is the Dutch pronunciation. So me calling her Anne Anna or Anna Anne is technically accurate because it is spelled Anne, but pronounced Anna, which is to yes. me the most fascinating thing about her.
1: So on a podcast, we call her Anna, Anna. Marie. Anna right. Marie.
0: But when you spell it yeah. out, it's Anne. I did I, reach out to her. I, I asked know. her for clarity. She did not respond, went... but I, I know she's very busy. She's very busy Googling how does an esophagus work?
1: She's very busy clapping back at Nicole Martin and calling her thirsty. It's like that is.
0: I posted rich. I posted that clip. If you have not seen that, shout out to our pals, Danny and Evan, with the page six reality tea podcast. They had an interview with um with Anna Marie in which she apologized for <laughs> what was the word that she used for like essentially being facetious, essentially one time and talking about uh esophagus versus what she actually did multiple times and also connecting it to. Out her version of an allegation quote unquote that son has an ed and is not being a responsible um uh a, a responsible representative to her to her audience which is so <laughs> fucked for and so irresponsible for to so her esophagirlies
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god we that's <sighs> phenomenal but um but again uh you know her downplaying truly what people deal with with chronic issues that affect their esophagus and her connecting that with like i made one joke one time so now i'm bearing the brunt of this and then also saying that dr nicole is what was the word clout chasing yes by holding her accountable and she should have dm'd her on instagram instead it's like what the fuck like she just got so annoying to me over the course of two weeks or i'm like enough of you we're not we're not we don't want more of her
1: chasing what clout
0: Is trying to clarify because you're being irresponsible and talking about your resume to support ill informed, disingenuous, and frankly, rude. Uh, jokes made out of a genuine, very real condition questioning the reality of that condition and then attempting to say that she's being, that Sutton is being irresponsible. Also on that, we have to wrap, but on the after show, she says so much shit about like Sutton's marriage and the fact that like she's obviously not over her ex. I'm thinking have you ever spoken to this woman in your life? Aside from saying, hi, my name is Anna Marie it's spelled Anne and also I think that you are lying when you say you can't swallow like I, I just that conversation could go in such a different direction if it was on the real housewives of new york but instead of beverly hills we're left with this
1: if she was on real housewives of new york kelly ben Simone would call her a fan <laughs> would <laughs> she be, like, be wrong? stop narrating
0: <laughs> would she be wrong though listen oh. dylan hafer i could talk to you all day i know this was a an episode with a lot of like uh, nuances and feelings and emotions. And I'm just so appreciative to you because you are always my safe space. And I do also just want to say to anybody listening who is Jewish or not, um, the fact that I can, at the end of the day, only represent myself and my feelings. Jews mm. are not a monolith. Sutton has every right to disagree with what I've said in this episode, as I have every right to disagree with hers. And I know it's a difficult thing when you're hosting a podcast where it feels like I'm representing a lot of feelings in the Bravo community, irregardless of the scene with Sutton and Garcelle. But the reality is at the end of the day, I'm only representing myself.
1: and Garcel. Garcel. What did I say? Sutton.
0: Oh yeah, you're good. You people
1: know. People know. I, I mean, just wanted to. Yeah.
0: No, I appreciate it. It's because I'm thinking about that. Sutton is not again. Jewish
1: <laughs> that we know of.
0: But I can't wait. For, I would love to see Sutton at like a Seder Hanukkah moment. I don't know. I would love. She would be iconic. I would love to see it. I'm, I'm sure we potentially will. How? Um, give me the holla. <laughs> I love her so much. Also, I'm curious if Andy, who's whatever, Mm. I'm curious how Kyle's going to respond to what Teresa, because Kyle is also a Jew. Um, So as is Andy, shalom to all of us. But the TLDR is at the end of the day, I'm really, truly only representing myself. And you may not agree with my opinion. You have every right to, as I have every right to share how I'm feeling. And it's just, it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time in which to be a Jew attempting to talk about someone Possibly weaponizing their identity as a Jew in a conversation about racism. It's just it is a tough time. So sometimes words are my friend, and regardless, I use uh, one too many uh, most of all. And so I just want to thank you hopefully for a little bit of grace um, maybe maybe to our conversation, maybe when you um, think about how you're interacting with these housewives on social, whatever else, just uh, you know, take a little time. Take a little, have a little moment there, right? Amen. amen. Let us say amen. Dylan Hafer, where can the AGs follow you on social, listen to your incredible podcast, which I've had the pleasure and thrill to guest on any number of times. It's always a joy. I love your voice and um, mention it all, all that and more.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, uh, you can... <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm sorry. Uh no, I'm like, I'm like, don't. I'm like, where? When does my podcast come out? Um, you can follow. It comes out on Wednesdays and Fridays, right? Mondays, Monday, Wednesdays, Wednesdays, and, and Thursdays.
0: Look, me, usually there was a Friday. It was a throwback. I did some
1: Fridays, yeah. Um, you can listen whenever. Mention it all comes out. You can listen to it wherever you get your Andy's Girls <laughs> and other podcasts. Just subscribe. Um, you can follow subscribe. me on Instagram at Dylan Hafer, and you can follow at Bravo by Batches for um. More of this kind of thing. <laughs>
0: Kelly Ben Simone posted, I forget what, it was like throwback pictures and she said like inspired by yeah, Bravo because by Betches.
1: One of my favorite things is just to go go on Getty Images and search and you can search by like oldest photos. Oh. And so I've there's a bunch of really good photos of Kim Richards from the 80s that I've posted. And there was this photo of Kelly from 1999 and she has like this sort of like blonde bowl cut. Type of thing going I love on. It. She's holding a puppy. It's a very strange oh, photo, yeah, but she didn't. was okay. like, "Oh my gosh, I love this!" I'm like, "Okay,
0: I love that. Yeah. I love that moment and so much more." Listen, the Patreon episode that we are referencing, where I'm going to do a full recap of all the things that have happened in the last week, specific to Salt Lake City. Oh my god, is going to be up on Patreon this weekend at patreoncom girls. Bunch of episodes that uh, went up over the course of the last week, recapping Ultimate Girls Trip recapping Miami, doing a Satchel Spectacular, talking about the upcoming season of Vanderpump Rules. So you can sign up now. $2 gets you my love and thanks. $5 a month gets you uh, two bonus episodes. $10 a month gets you four. And there's also a premium tier, the People's People's Patreon Couch, where you can record an episode with yours truly or have a private Zoom key key. So patreon.com slash Girls. Follow me on Instagram at Galley and also P.S. Threads. Dill Hafer, sweet baby Dill. we support the Bravo community. We support each other. Love ya. Love love you. <laughs> Happy New Year again. Can we keep saying that? It's January 5th. Yeah, I think, I, get this, I think
1: this week is maybe maybe till the 15th, the I first two weeks.
0: As someone who loves saying Merry Christmas because it's just fun to say it out loud and it's very merry, it's like quite literally and figuratively merry, I also love saying Happy New Year. I'll continue that as long as I am contractually allowed. And considering the fact that I'm still mailing holiday cards and I am nowhere near done because I have a hundred holiday cards to go. We will continue this New Year celebration until at best March. That's a conservative estimate. Perfect. I have a hundred (laughs) cards.
1: Best of luck.
0: Best of luck. Um, Thanks guys so much for listening and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.